we introduce you to the hottest global basketball podcast with overseas pro and co-founder of Swish Cultures, Jordan Richard, and four-year NBA vet and pro, Ray McCollum. Make sure you subscribe for a lot of new surprises. Yo, this is our first episode of Hidden Gems. You know, just a little bit of background of why we started it. I think, you know, there's a lot of hidden gems out there, especially with players, you know, overseas. There's a lot of guys that don't get highlighted. You know, the Luka Doncic's, you know, uh, the the Victors who are, are going to be number one picks. There's a lot of guys that are still playing that you probably know about and probably don't even know that they're still here. So that's kind of a little bit how this started. Crazy story, though. My man, Ray McCullum, our co-host. We honestly just met each other, honestly, what, this summer, last summer, before COVID? Yeah. yeah, I met you about two years ago and then really, really got to know you this past summer. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like me and you have been like best friends, like, you know, over a course of time because, you know, me and you've gotten really close. I don't think you remember this, but my first year that I started Switch Coaches, maybe three years ago, I recorded a workout. You're one of the first workouts I recorded. It was you and Ben McLemore. Yeah. Uh, my sister took some pictures of you and that's honestly how I was introduced to you, but there was real, really no introduction. I really, really met you with Drew Holiday, who Drew Holiday, who's now in the finals. Yeah, for sure. I remember that day. Uh, it's actually funny when you were at the gym and I, I knew who you and your sister were, um, cause Ben had said Swish was on their way. And, uh, I remember y'all got some pictures for us. I felt big time. I felt official that day. And then, uh, obviously this past summer, just being around Drew and, and working out and you capturing everything I you know that's how it all started off yeah and, you know just before we get started like with Drew you know making it to the NBA finals um can you just talk a little bit about how that's been you know just watching him you know go get traded to Milwaukee because we were low-key at the gym when like when he was getting traded to Milwaukee just yeah talk about that no nah, it was crazy for sure uh First off, I'm, I'm super excited and happy for him. Um, that dude works harder than, you know, anybody I know, um, which is kind of crazy. We were really there watching the whole process last year. Not only the grind he was on, but just going through the whole, uh, the trade, the free agency stuff. Uh, I know he wasn't a free agent, but just kind of, it kind of felt like he was a free agent, um, knowing that he was going to leave New Orleans and not really knowing where he's going to get traded to. I know you and I kept thinking maybe Brooklyn or maybe the Lakers or the Clippers. Uh, I know you're a hometown kid. You wanted him to stay home. Uh, but, yep. but yeah, but to see how everything unfolded and, and worked out this way, you know, we, we knew he wanted to be all defensive team. Um, and, you know, it, it, I'm happy to see he's getting everything that he deserves. Yep. Hey, no cap, though. I did think he was going to Brooklyn. We made a bet about that, remember? That he was yeah, gonna go I, to Brooklyn. I, I thought he was going too, for sure. <laughs> yeah. We saw K, KD, Kyrie were in the gym every day. Remember, and then the rumors came out, so I'm like, oh, nah, like, they need another defender. I'm thinking, like, yo, yeah. for sure. This is yeah. before all the James Harden talk, guys. This is before that. So, you know, don't get too crazy on us. That was before all that stuff happened. That's for why sure. we thought Drew was going to go over there because of all that. You know, that was before we knew James was coming over. So... But that's not why we're here. We're going to, this is our introduction episode. Um, you know, Ray, I feel like has a big, big time story. I have a big time story myself, but you know, I kind of just want to elaborate, you know, kind of on the player that Ray is. So can you just give an introduction, you know, of some of the teams that you've played for, you know, some of the coaches, you know, some of the hall of famers you play for in the league? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I would say my started off, I was drafted 36 pick. Uh, Sacramento Kings. That year we had uh, Isaiah Thomas, DeMarcus Cousins. We traded. We got Rudy Gay. Um, those are the the big name guys I had in sack. Um, the next season I went to. Uh, next season after that I went to. No, excuse me. I was there for two years, and then I ended up getting traded to San Antonio. Uh, my third year in the NBA, uh, I had Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Aldridge, David West. Those guys were all there my first year. Um, then to end that season, I actually had got waived by the Spurs like the last month in the season. I finished with uh, with Memphis. Uh, the time I was in Memphis for maybe two months was um, I had Mike Conley, Marcus Saul, Vince Carter, uh, Zach Randolph, uh, Tony Allen. Trying to think who else I'm missing. Matt Barnes was there as well. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I'm 
that's that's a lot of names right there. Just yeah, I, I honestly, things. I honestly wanted people to just to hear, you know, a lot of the names and like like the teams and players that you play with because, you know, when I post you on Swish like uh, like this summer, I get two things. The first thing was that yo he was a great player in NBA Two K. I always get that. <laughs> I was, I was nice. I was and nice you, on Two K. You had some parts in the episode where you like had some speaking parts, like when you're like in the creative player mode or something. So people were like, "Yo, that dude was cold in that game." Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. And then, and then next thing is, I just remember you know from your high school years. So that's why I kind of wanted to take a deep dive in, you know, kind of like intertwine my high school years with yours, and you know, go on with there. So you know, with that being said. At what age did you start identifying that you were good at basketball? Because me, I was a late bloomer. You know, I didn't start really you know, developing until my senior year of school. I grew to 6'9". I was a 5'7 point guard in third string, you know, my freshman year. What about you? I know you have a different case than I did. That's crazy, man. The bigs, y'all always y'all always hit y'all's growth spurt so late. It's wild, man. UAD, everybody. All y'all were point guards, and then now y'all want to be big centers. But, uh, man, honestly, for me um, – I don't want to sit here and be like, man, I was always good growing up, but I was, I was always one of the better kids in my class at a young age. Um, but when I, when I knew personally that I might have a chance was I'll never forget. I was, uh, and I was living in Norman, Oklahoma at the time. My dad was assistant coach at OU under Kelvin Sampson. And, uh, man, I, I remember one summer, my mom was rebounding for me in the gym and my, I, I couldn't make 10 free throws in a row. And I remember like throwing the ball, not throwing it at my mom, you know what I'm saying? But I was, I was bouncing. I was throwing a pass hard back to her, all frustrated. My dad was in the gym. He got mad. I remember he sat me down one day. He was like, "Hey, when you want to take the game serious, like let me know." And I was 12 years old. I remember the next day I was like, "All right, I want to work. Like I want to, you know, I want to, I want to be good." And uh, that summer, like we trained like crazy. Um, I had actually just moved to Oklahoma uh, from Houston. He was coaching at Houston before that summer. I want to say we won. I won my first AAU national championship. Uh, and when I won that one, I was, I, I knew like, that's when they were ranking kids and all that. And I was like top 20 in my class. And I started like, it's crazy. They rank kids seventh or eighth grade, but I remember getting ranked. And then what's is crazy. I stayed ranked all the way throughout middle school and high school, but I would say around like 12, I thought, you know, I was working out, I was training, like really to try to be something. Was there like basketball, like ballers life tapes for eighth graders in? Cause I know like that was the beginning of social media era. Like, did man. you have a tape? Like, where, did you man, go into gyms listen. and people were like, oh, yo, that's Ray McCollum. Like, what? Listen, listen, above me was like a couple years ahead of me was like Brandon Jennings, T Rose, Eric Gordon. Those guys are like probably two, three years ahead of me. So I think I was in like eighth grade. So they must have been like, let's see, I was, I was, they might have been 08. Oh, they were my 07, 08. So they're a couple years ahead of me, like three years older than me. But yeah. um, they were the ones who had those videos first. So I, that was all I was working for, bro. Trying to get on hoop mixtape, ball is life. Uh, I didn't get that into, I want to say, like my freshman or sophomore year of high school. When I got on hoop mixtape, ball is life, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like that. Because we don't have it like it is now with the whole Instagram and all that. If, if, you, if you can get a clip on YouTube, you were solid. And I, I remember, I think I got it like my, after my freshman or sophomore year of high school. Yeah. I, I just remember that like for me, cause I was never a guy that got no mixtape. So every dude I, I saw that had a mixtape, I would low key try to go at them. So, you know, I would be like, yo, that's my opportunity for me to shine, oh, yeah. to be honest with you. So it's a for little sure. different experience, you know, and you know, my recruitment, I didn't really get recruited until, you know, my senior year of school. Um, what about you? I mean, if you're ninth grader getting tapes, were you getting recruited early on in your ninth grade year? How was your recruiting process? Uh, my my whole recruiting process was was crazy because so I had I moved so many times with my dad coaching. So my seventh and eighth grade year, I was in Norman, Oklahoma. He was at OU. So then my freshman year, I had moved to Indiana, Bloomington, Indiana, where IU is. And uh so he was an assistant there and I I really thought I was going to IU, to be honest with you. Uh, coach Samson was the head coach. Um, I had known him since I was, you know, young. And so really that whole year I was, you know, when is it? Maybe you're, there's a certain point, maybe you're a freshman or sophomore, you can start getting letters, right? So I would get all the letters from all the schools, 
Um, and then, you know, my back of my mind, I just figured that, you know, I, I'm going to end up going to IU. But it, it definitely took a turn. When I left, my dream school, like my sophomore year, was Kansas. And I wanted to be a Who Jayhawk. Who was on that team? Was Sher- Sharon Collins? And then on to be that a Jayhawk team? so bad. Yes, they had him. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I think Brandon Rush was there. This is a year I remember. They played. Uh, it was they played Derrick Rose. I was just about to uh, say they that. played Memphis. Yeah, Mario. Then was Mario there Mar- or no? Mar- Mario hit the shot. He hit the big shot. I think oh. to win. To win. I think to win the national championship that year. And I think I might have been a freshman or sophomore in high school. I remember watching that at my friend's house, and I was like, "Yeah, that's where I got to go. I want to go to Kansas." I mean, yeah. if so, you you became one of the top players in the nation in your high school year. Did yeah. Kansas ever come like uh, like? Knocking on the door, or what was the situation with that? 100%. So uh, I want to say my sophomore year is like the first time I spoke to uh, Kansas. And then I think that summer I spoke to Bill Self. And I thought I thought I had made it at that point. Uh, I, my sophomore year, no, I think my junior year, you, you can take like unofficial visits. So I went down there. They had this thing. You know, I've never heard of like Midnight Madness. It's like the first official practice for college basketball. At once o'clock, it's midnight. They do a whole, whole little deal. They had a situation called late night at the fog. I remember going down there. Uh, Xavier Henry was on his official visit. Uh, they had a whole bunch of guys out there, man. And uh, that weekend, I was only a junior in high school, but I was ready to. I was ready to get it done right then and there. Bro, I feel like that's always been a rule. Like, I don't know how. Like, how how did your pops talk to you about visits? Because you know he's a college coach too but i remember you know telling my sister this i was like yo when you go on your visit do not sign as soon as you get there because that visit is gonna look amazing yeah no you definitely can't um there's so much more that goes into it just in the visit uh they make the visit like you said it's amazing um it's is they make it a great weekend uh but for me though i mean i had already really kind of did my research and just as a kid really liking kansas and wanting to you know, wanting that to be my school. When I got there, I was like, wow, this is everything and, and more than what I thought I was going to be. Um, but no, it was a cool experience, but you definitely can't. I would definitely not recommend someone just commit off off the visit or on the visit. Yeah. What were some of, like, the top players that you played against in high school years? I know some of the that you were. Yeah, for sure. In your well, class. Actually, actually, Kansas, everything was cool, but – uh. They uh they signed my boy Josh Selby. So that 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 took me out the pay, picture. Uh he was like number two in the country, I think, that time. Cold blooded, that's my guy. And um that's the point guard they ended up taking. Um but my class was uh man, if I if I can remember right, I think the number one point guard was uh Kyrie, Kyrie obviously Kyrie Irving. And I think second second might have been Brandon Knight. Um Third had to been Josh Selby. Uh, four was oh man, it was either it was Corey Joseph or Kendall Marshall, and then I was fifth, and I was fifth, and I think Joe Jackson, who went to Memphis, was sixth. Um, so we were all the point guards, but we had uh, other guards. And you even think a guy who wasn't even highly uh, tra- uh, ranked like that, like Tim Hardaway. Look at him now. Um, who else was in my class that? Trying to think that was who's in the league killing right now. Oh, Victor Oladipo. Vic was a, in our class too. He's not a point guard, but um, yeah, he was a guard in our class. Now we had a nice, we had a nice group uh, for sure. Yeah. And since you're, you're kind of being in your humble mode right now, um, you became McDonald's All American you know, in, in your senior season. And uh, you're ranked, you're a top five guard, but ranked number 17th player in the yeah. nation. And then, so you start narrowing down your schools. So how did that decision-making process go? And then what did you narrow your top four teams down to? Yeah, uh, it was an interesting summer because to be honest with you, I never really had my dad's team, uh, Detroit, really in the mix. I mean, I would put them down um, in my top list of schools because it was my pops, you know, and I was trying to help him out as much as I could. So. Uh, that summer we we broke it down and my dad, he helped me out a lot, my family, because I think you can take four or five official visits. So I had UCLA, Arizona, Florida, and Detroit. And I actually, I think Oklahoma was in there too. I took a visit to Oklahoma too, because I had, I had love for Oklahoma because we were just there when I was in middle school, the whole thing. Um, Jeff Capel was the coach there at the time. And then um, 
yeah, broke it down to figuring out what schools are going to take the visits to. Um, and then I had to do the in-home in visits too with my dad right there. So it was a little awkward process, but I went to Florida. I went to Oklahoma. I went to UCLA and I went to Arizona. I took visits to all four of those schools. And then all those coaches came and did the in visits at my house too. Yeah. But how is it doing an in visit with your pops being there when he's a head coach at the university? Oh man. So <laughs> we're in the crib at the kitchen counter and, uh, not even at the dining room table, which is way more formal. You feel me? So, <laughs> so, uh, the first one was, uh, man, Billy Donovan, man, Billy Donovan and, uh, Billy Donovan came to the house and I got my dad on my left and my mom on my right. And they're sitting across from us, like giving me the whole pitch about why he wanted me to come to Florida and everything he thought, you know, my pops is cool with it, but like, when they were saying what they had to say, I heard a lot of, mm, mm, you know, a lot of, mm's. it wasn't like, it wasn't like the traditional dad, like sitting there, like he's, you know, excited, like super yeah, excited. Yeah, yeah, he, like, he's listening. They got the practice gym. They got this, they got all this going on. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have this at Detroit, you know what I mean? So he's just like, dang, that's a lot. You know what I mean? Uh, so it was definitely, it was definitely awkward at first, man. I can't lie because you know, my, my dad, never pressured me it was never like you're coming to Detroit or anything like that like he's trying to be a good father here and help his son and and help me with the whole process at the same time these schools are pitching me these you know these things that you know why I should go to their school in the back of his mind is like he's sitting here thinking like you know I want to coach my son too like these are the same things I want to say to my son so he comes to play for me but he didn't go on the official visits I don't think he went to one I think he went to maybe he went I think he, he didn't go to Florida but my mom went with me and we went to a football game and everything was crazy. I think he came to uh, UCLA and I think he came to Arizona. I know he came to Arizona for a fact. For a fact, he came there. I don't, I'm pretty, I don't know if he went to UCLA, so he might have only went on one visit because he definitely didn't come with me to Oklahoma. Did you hear any rumblings about people saying like, ah, man, he going to go with his dad. Like, I don't even know why we're really recruiting him. Uh, I definitely heard. I was. I would hear that. And I would, I would be like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm, I'm really not going there. Because honestly, bro, I wasn't going there. You know what I mean? It was like, literally, I was looking out, trying to help Detroit, help my pops with the recruiting and everything. And some of the coaches on his staff would, would tell people, like, yeah, they call, yeah, I'll call me Lil Ray. Like, yeah, Lil Ray coming. He's coming next year for sure. He'll be here. I'm thinking, like, bro, I'm, I'm not going to Detroit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to either UCLA, Arizona, or Florida. Like, it's, it's one of those three. And then, man, I end up going to Detroit. So, I guess... I guess whatever they were saying was we, the truth. Before we get into that story, bro, not only did you go to Detroit, you at the time, I'm going to paint this picture for y'all. There was only a few players that got a chance to go on ESPN and make their decision. Mind you, because I've seen the video and we're going to show it at some point. Um, there was four hats on the table. It was UCLA, Arizona, Detroit Mercy, and it was Florida. In my mind, if I see all those schools and then I just see Detroit in the mix, I'm like, nah, he's going to Detroit for sure. So with that being said, like, why did you choose Detroit? And was there any pressure? Because I know you probably hear that a lot. Was there any pressure with you making that decision? Yeah, that's crazy. Way you just, you just, way you just painted that picture. Uh, that's really how it was, bro. I'll, I'll never forget that day at school. I committed. I committed on ESPN. Uh, I think it was like ESPNU or ESPN two. And uh, I had to leave school early that day because everybody at school was like, "Bro, you're not going. Where are you going? You're going to go to Arizona there, trying to make bets on and everything." So, man, that whole day was crazy. Um, I know I'm, I'm kind of going around your question, but to give you a little background story of how that day went. So, with me committing on ESPN. They contacted my dad, right? And they were like, hey, because they wanted me to do it in the beginning of the uh, the beginning of the year. A lot of guys did it. But I waited to the last day. It was like April something, the last day of signing, uh, signing date. And I remember uh, I called my dad the day of. I said, hey, I wear number three. I'm like, hey, go in the equipment room, but don't let anybody see. Like, don't let anybody see. Go in there and grab a number three Detroit jersey. I said, I don't, whatever I do, like, I'm just going to um, pull out a jersey or whatever of the school. You know what I mean? So he goes in there. He So in his mind, he's thinking like, oh, he must be coming to Detroit. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's going to pull out the jersey, whatever. 
You know what I mean? So I didn't want to do the hat, right? Everybody does a hat. So he goes in there, he goes and gets the jersey and comes back to the crib. I know this is not your question, but I'm, I'm switching it up on you. So he goes and gets the jersey, right? He gets the jersey and brings it home. I'm at the crib. I'm putting on my little suit. I'm trying to get fresh, whatever. And he comes in my room and he, I'm like, yeah, don't let mom, don't let anybody see. He comes in my room with the, with the letter of intent, right? Like the, the paperwork. And he like, hey, you got to sign this real quick or I can't speak on, on your behalf. Even though you're my son, like you got to sign the paperwork. That way, when you when you announce, when the when the media and everybody asks, like we can, you know, I can speak on it right away. There's no yeah. violation. So that was a moment right then and there. He knew I was coming to Detroit. Uh, he came in the room. I signed it in the room before I, I committed, put the jersey in the, uh, in the in a bag, put it in the shoebox, made it look like it was a hat. And then I went in there and, and I announced to Detroit. But it was it was at that point I knew, man, I, I knew for I knew for a little little bit of time that I was going to go to Detroit. And uh, and that was that, man. What was the response from the coaches and friends? Were they like, ah, you felt pressured by your dad? Like, and then oh, like man. when you made them calls, because a lot of people like, I know you're a well-raised kid. I know you made calls and thanked everybody for, for sure. You know, and that's always the worst part. So how did that go? Or people like, nah, we already knew you was going to Detroit. Yeah, so my pops made me, before I did it, he made me go and call everybody. He was trying to, I'll tell you, he was locking it down. He was locking it down. He was making sure you called him and tell him, we're going to sign this letter now. <laughs> so I went in uh, probably like 30 minutes before I, you know, come in here. All the coaches, hey, good luck. You know, we wish you, we want you to come here or whatever. So I'm not going to say all the names, but all the schools that I called, I want to say one, one must have got word because one didn't even answer. I'm like, dang, he didn't even answer. He must have been at practice. I'm hoping to this day he was at practice. The other coach was 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 hot, like he was he was kind of mad. Like he was like, "Are you sure? Are you sure this is what you really want to do?" I was like, "Dang, you gonna try to make me second guess myself?" Like so, that, it was awkward. Uh, and then uh, the other coach, he was uh, he understood all the way. He was super supportive about it, and he was like, "Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a good decision." And then, um, but the reaction from everybody else, they every the whole world was shocked. Everybody was shocked because first off, Detroit Mercy is not a school that you even hear of. So a lot of people, yeah. I mean, I know you played in Detroit, so they knew where it was, but especially at that time, there wasn't too many kids making like turning down, you know, big schools like that, especially during that time. And we're, we're going to speak on this because you yeah. had UCLA at the time and Ben Howland was there. Yeah. And they had a history of every year they had a point guard go on the draft. Yeah. So for you not to make that decision, was that kind of tough, like factoring those in? And then especially Arizona too, like they had Kyle Fogg, they had a lot of good guys down there. Mm -hmm. They're known for producing big time guards. So for, for you not to go there, it's kind of shocking. Oh yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a super tough process for me because as a, as a Hooper, your dream is to go to a big school, play an NCAA tournament, go to the final four and get to the NBA. And with the schools like UCLA, that's what you get. That's what they do. Uh, a school like Arizona, point guard you, that's what they do. A school like Florida, Billy Donovan, like back then, like that's what they were doing. So to, ha to have that, uh, it was tough, man. I remember taking all the visits, um, talking to the coaches and everything all the time. Uh, but honestly, what got tough for me is trying to pick the school, like, you know, I, I, Florida was, they had Kenny Boyd and had Irv Walker there. And then the next year at the time, like Austin Rivers was like number one or two in his class and he's a Florida kid. So it seemed like he might, was going to go there. You know what I mean? And then with UCLA, you had, uh, you had, man, I can't, they had, uh, what's his name? Malcolm. What's his name, man? Malcolm Lee. Uh, Malcolm Lee. He was a big deal. He was there like a year or two before me. Uh, top a 17 pick too you, for those that don't know the names top 17 but, pick they have uh, a big time guard out of California I think Jeremy Anderson or something like that he was he was another guard they had other guys they had a lot of guys in Arizona that's when they had Derek Williams there all the, no one knew that Derek Williams Solomon Hill all these guys are gonna be NBA guys yet because they were going to go to USC then Sean Miller got the job Nick Wise had just graduated they had Momo Jones like they had uh 
Nick Johnson was going to be coming in. Like they had a lot, you know, they had a lot of guards and stuff. So I was trying to figure out a situation where you know, all the schools has promised me, you're going to start, you're going to this and that. But, you know, like I was really trying to go somewhere and try to, you know, get in hoop, start as a freshman, do my thing and, and earn my way to the NBA. And, and, and I knew, I knew playing for my dad, like, it wasn't going like it. I knew what I was walking into. Some of the other situations, I just had a hard time. I had, I ain't gonna say the names, but I had players at some of the schools like, y'all don't come here. You don't want to play for this coach. Like, it ain't what you think it is. Like, I was supposed to be in and out. I'm here three, four years. I ain't gonna get drafted. Like, when you start hearing that from the players, that start kind of getting a little tricky. But you don't think that they are hating because look, when you're at McDonald's, a McDonald's All American coming in. The first thing they're going to think is my spot is in jeopardy because he's a one and done guy for sure. It's normal. And then he's going to come here and take my spot. So sometimes people might throw that little shade over there and then, you know, and they're like, yeah, we don't need him to come here. You don't think that you got that? No, that's true. I mean, that's a fact for sure. Um, I mean, I, I was cool with the guy. I mean, yeah, for, for, for real. I mean, I think some situations, I think, I know for a fact, some of the guys really didn't want me to probably didn't want me to come. Yeah. Because, yeah, being at McDonald's and all that, you know, the resume, you you know what I'm saying? You're probably going to – I mean, you got to earn everything, but you're probably going to start and play a lot. I technically wasn't really worried about it, uh, but just hearing that, it just kind of made me a little uncomfortable. Like, man, like, I, you know, is, is this really true? Are they saying that because they don't want me to come here? Or are they really not rocking with the situation? And then for me, you know, once I'm in the McDonald's game, uh, I remember doing the dunk contest. And again, Josh Selby, he won it. I got second. I should have won, but I missed like my between the legs. He made his. Yeah. Once I once I did that, that's when I kind of got put on the map a little bit more because I, I, I made the McDonald's game without committing to any of those schools. Then I did that dunk contest and I had a good week at the McDonald's. It's like a whole weekend or week. I had a good week there. So I started creating a little bit of buzz. And then uh, – I was like, you know what? Maybe I don't have to go to one of these big schools to get to the league. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I'm thinking at the time. You know what I'm saying? So I had a lot of that going on a little bit too. And then just the trust thing. Trust for me is a huge thing. And I knew with my pops, like he was going to help me get better and whatever the case might be and help me, you know, get to my full potential. Okay. So then we get to, we get to freshman year of school. You know, uh, when I played, my freshman year, I was the only freshman there. We had guys like I played D two. We had guys like Ivan Johnson who played in the NBA. A lot of other guys that you know are playing overseas right now. They were there, but there's a saying that I remember that I heard when I was, and it's like prom and all that glitz and glamour. Like that's all over. Like the dance is over. Now you're there at school. How is it for you? You know, going in with your pops though. Is the dance still going? You still got your dancing shoes on, or is it like still like? You starting fresh and there's no glitz and glamour at all. Man, I walked in there. I thought I had my dancing shoes on. <laughs> Pops took those off real quick. <laughs> now I got there. Everything was cool. I had a like I was close with the team because I had been there for a couple years, and most of the guys on the team had been there for a little while. Oh yeah, you were the little homie. So yeah, yeah, so I, yeah. I, I, I was a little bro for real. So <laughs> yeah. it was all love, but it's different when you become their teammate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but it was all love. It was cool. Um, but so in the locker room was fine, but in terms of, you know, just getting adjusted to playing for my dad was different. Cause you know, growing up, he had kind of been my coach my whole life, working me out and all that and watching film and everything. But when you're on the team, it's different. Like I never called, even to this day, I never call him coach. Like I'm always calling him dad, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and practice is, I turned it over. I like, I miss a layup. I miss a dunk. Like he's got me on the baseline running sprints running suicides, like just me in front of the whole team. I'm like, like, what's up? You know what I mean? But it took me a while. Like, oh, he's, he's challenging me. He's making me one earn everything. He ain't like, you ain't going to just be this McDonald's walking in here thinking, thinking you sweet. Like it's going to be easy. And so he made me earn all that. And then, uh, I mean, but why, getting- why wouldn't it be easy though? You go, you took a big risk by going to Detroit. Right. Right. And then wouldn't you think that, cause I'm just, I, I know how it is, you know, being raised a certain way, but I'm I'm playing devil's advocate, right? Like, if you know that your son's going to go to the league, you know, why not just have him just give him the keys? And- why not give him yeah. the keys immediately? Yeah, exactly. Especially when they go to small schools, because I'm just speaking for the new generation, because I don't agree with a lot of the new generation, but if a new generation kid goes to a smaller school, 
most likely they're gonna give be given the keys to do whatever right. they want. So that's no, what I, I think I think my pops we're a little old school, you know what I mean? Like we're we're more so like you gotta grind to to get what you deserve. Um and I think for him it was, you know, he did tell me before I got there, like, you know, I'm gonna challenge you, I'm gonna I'm gonna push you, you know, I'm gonna help you get there. Which, you know, I'm like, all right, cool, yeah, yeah, all right. That's father son talk, but it got different when I got there. It was like coach player, like, you know, he was challenging me. He was, he was making me run. He was any mistake I did, even if my teammate messed up, he's yelling at me because it was my fault. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, what? You know, he would put me in situations to where I had to, you know, earn my respect for my teammates, earn my respect from the coaches. And like, and for me to have to go through some battles myself to, to, you know, be prepared and, and, and ready to, to carry a team. Yeah. Um, how was it, you know, like throughout, cause you played there three years, you know, why yeah. did you end up staying there and you know, why didn't you become just a one and done guy? Well, I knew I wasn't probably going to be one and done. Like it was never really talked like that in high school, even though I made the McDonald's game and all that. Um, uh, I knew like I still needed to get better. I, I was, I was a little bit skinnier back then. I needed to get big, big, stronger, quicker, all that. So my freshman year, to be honest with you, I, I thought like, Oh, okay. I'm supposed to be at a big time school. I'm gonna come in here and kill. But little man, listen, we had Butler there. They had Shelvin Mack. You had the Butler that's a, in the national championship back to back years. You had Norris Cole at Cleveland state who was first round pick. I think that man had 40, 20, and 20 one game that year. Like, we had, some, we had some dogs, and we had some teams in that conference. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it was never sweet. And then, two, I was, like, I think the highest recruit to ever come to the conference. Where Like, I had a target. And I'm, like, bro, I ain't, I'm, like, a freshman, you know? Them cat, like them seniors was was at my head every, every night. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I had a – I had a – you know, uh, a year to like, really, like I got challenged. I got challenged every day. And I think that year I averaged like a little under 14. I was like the newcomer of the year, but I had a solid season. And then I knew like, all right, that next summer, like would be big for me. Like maybe I can come back next year and maybe get the team to the tournament. And maybe after my second year, like, you know, maybe get to the NBA. Yeah. Um, so there's there's this like big study about kids that play with their their parents. You see it a lot now in this new generation. You see a lot more kids playing with their parents, or just kids are that are involved with their parents with basketball. And they said a lot of times that their most unenjoyable time for a kid is when they're in their car rides home. How was it for you with that dynamic and like? How was it during the season when you were probably in your pop's doghouse? Did you avoid him at any time? Like, how was that situation and relationship the with the three years you were playing? One hundred percent. That's a great question, bro. So, so I, I didn't live at my parents' house. You know what I'm saying? They stay like fifteen minutes from the school. You know, yeah. I, I was in my own spot, whatever. So, me and my dad always we, we was cool. You know, he's on my head, whatever. whatever. No. Before practice, I go in his office and we watch film and he's talking to me like, you know, father, son, helping me out, making me a better player. It's cool, you know, but a father always going to get a little annoyed with his son sometimes. So he would kind of get annoyed in the film and kind of nitpick on little things. Right. And then we get to practice and it would be cool. Then literally 30 minutes later, we get to practice and he's like yelling at me on my head. Once again, making me run suicides, making me the whole thing. I'd be like, what? So I'd be like, bro, I'm, I'm, you switching up, bro. Like you coach and you dad, like, which one are you, bro? So it would be times where like, you know what I'm saying? I want to go home, get a home cooked meal. Or I, I like, I want, you know, go home, eat my mom's cooking or whatever. So I, I have to hit my mom up like, Hey, his dad home. Like what time is he going to be home? She's like, nah, he won't be home for like two hours. So I'll slide back to the crib real quick, go home, eat, kick it at the house. And as soon as I know he's on his way, we call her, I was out. You know what I'm saying? I'm back to my spot. That way we had to bump into each other. I ain't going to lie. I did that a couple of times. I even think sometimes she might even brought me the food and dropped it off at the crib so we didn't have to run into each other. But yeah. that was more so like my freshman year. And then after that, it was cool. But, yeah, yeah. We, definitely, we definitely had our times. Or sometimes uh, he's calling out a play. I, there's videos of me pounding the ball right in front of him 
like just out there upset. He ain't running a play for me or he ain't let me rock, but it was cool though. Yeah. What do you think? Like, you know, until we like, we're going to transition into to the draft, but what do you think your, your pops learned, you know, with having you, you know, play under him? You know, I know there's some things that he probably learned himself too as well. What do you think that he learned the most having him son play, especially being a highly ranked player, you know, recruited player? Uh, probably, man, like, if he would have let me rock a little bit more our freshman year, we probably could have won some more games. <laughs> nah, I just, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. He, yeah. uh, I, I think, uh, I think, uh, I think he learned, I, I mean, I, I learned more from him than I think he probably learned from me. I mean, my, my, my dad, you know, has been coaching forever, man. Like, this is, he's been a head coach, for, I want to say maybe 20 years or so. He's been coaching for, for what, like 30, 36 years or something. My man, Coach Bonzi Wells, who was a lottery pick back at Ball State. So this ain't his first time coaching pros, and he's been assistant coach at a lot of big schools. So he, he knew how to get guys ready and prepared. Um, I think uh, more than anything, he he learned just to, you know, maybe be patient. Be a little bit, you got to be patient with some guys. Sometimes it takes a little longer to de develop. You know, like I said, it took me uh, three years to get drafted. I, I stayed into my junior year. Um, and I, I think, you know, having me on the team and, and then me and his son and then talking to him so much, like even at the house or I think he just learned like he's always been a player's coach. But I mean, I think he really understands like how players feel all the time more so than, you know, than than more because I could tell him really what was going on. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, from a player's perspective, how I felt, you know, I'm going to keep it super real with him, like how I feel, how he is as a coach. So I just kind of will give him the like the super realest feedback you could probably get. Well, there's a top five ranked player. Um, you know, I'm not sure, you know, rankings is different all over. So I don't want people jumping out my name. Oh, he's number one. But, you know, if there's a kid named Patrick Baldwin, you know, that is possibly going, I'm not really 100% if he is going to, you know, to UW uh, Milwaukee, you know, yeah. and um, what advice would you give him, you know, in a situation, you know, with playing with your pops and, getting highly recruited and, you know, what would you give to the, to the son and what would you give to the pops? Because I don't think it really gets realized how much of a sacrifice even the kid is making, because honestly, you know, later on down the road, if it don't work, that's something that is, could potentially be a problem within a relationship later on down the road. Thank God for you, you know, it didn't work like that, but I'm pretty sure there's some other players that have been in that same situation where it didn't work out there's issues at the house. What would you kind of tell, what kind of advice would you give him since you're kind of in a similar situation? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a done deal. I actually just talked to his dad uh, like two weeks ago. Um, and his son's going. Um, I want to say his son might be number four in the country. They say we're supposed to go, to go to Duke and everything. I'm excited about it because his situation, one, is way different than mine. Like, yeah, I was McDonald's and all that, but... I wasn't like this, uh, oh, this dude's one and done. He's like this NBA prospect. Like this kid is is supposed to be like that. And he's in a different category than myself. So I think what, what he can go do um, could be special because the type of talent he is, he could probably get it done in one year. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, probably get that school to the tournament. They haven't been in a while. Um, and when I spoke to his dad, I just told him like, like you just gotta enjoy, first off, enjoy it. Cause me and my dad had three years together and it made our relationship and our family even closer. Um, my sister was at Michigan State. She was down the street and I was at Detroit. My mom, everybody was right there. So we always are at all the games and everything. So it was all love. So that's the main thing. You got to enjoy it because his son's probably going to be one and done or maybe one or two years. And then it's just like over. You ain't ever going to get to coach your son. So I think I just I just told him and first off, enjoy it. And then two, you got to let him rock. You know what I mean? He's that type of player that you just got to let him hoop, you know what I mean? And and allow him to be great. Why not? Why not have your son be a, you know, a lottery pick? Why not let him be great? You know, my situation was a little different. I had a lot of good players around me on my team, you know what I mean? So I don't know too much about his school, but I, I feel like the situation he's walking into, he can go in there and dominate, be that guy, kind of like Doug, Doug McDermott, you know what I mean? Yeah. Wow, player of the year, all that, yeah. Definitely, but you, I'm, I'm always gonna paint this picture because I always, when I, when I, this is our first episode, but when you talk to me, I always think in terms of what a 
a father or someone would be thinking about it in the car like yeah but if it was my kid he gonna do whatever he wants you know we're gonna get him to the league like in the first year yeah, you know yeah, what i'm saying yeah. so yeah. what is your encounter with some situations like that where you know because i'm probably sure that you probably have heard that like you know like why didn't he let you rock a little bit more or something like that you know even though you don't know the dynamic of what's going on and he's making you a better player and you shoot made it this far for a reason because of your yeah. pops right so what would you say to that no i mean like i i like how my dad handled my situation right because the one thing everybody always says like well why'd you go to detroit you should have gone to ucla arizona if you were there you won you'd be in the nba right now or you'd have been a first round pick all that but they got a good point like yeah it could have happened but it also it might not have happened what if i went and went to these schools and got caught up in doing the wrong thing which i don't think that would ever happen but or i just never you just never know what you're gonna get yourself into like at least with my dad, like he 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 held me accountable for everything. Uh, I matured as a player, as a man. Um, I think a lot of these situations you see now, even guys that were in my McDonald's and in high school class, like they were high, higher, highly talented guys. They were supposed to be one and done guys. They were supposed to be that. Yep. Some of these guys that go into these situations where I'm not saying they're handed things, but and I'm not saying they're given things, but you know they're in a situation where they can get away with a lot more. And they're not really held accountable for stuff. And that's why, you know, a lot of guys just aren't, aren't hooping no more or they never made it to the NBA or they, you know, their careers didn't pan out the way they were supposed to even in college. And I, and I think that's a problem we see a lot now. Like, you know, all these parents are, you know, jumping to these situations and, and maybe thinking that their kids are a little better than they are. Like I used to get mad at my dad because I thought I was better, but he was like, yeah, you're good, but you ain't, you ain't ready yet. Even the year I got I went I got drafted, I remember he he was like kind of asked me like you wanna come you you wanna come back? I'm like, damn, come back. Like, bro, we're out. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's time to go. But he he knew I could even get even a little bit more better. You know what I'm saying? But he knew I was ready to go my junior year and, and it was time for me to go. But like, you know, you have a real one, a real parent that really knows you and knows your game and gonna really give you that guidance that you need. Uh, I mean, that's what I got from him for sure. Okay, since you since you said that about him coming back, you just gave me another thought in my in my mind. A lot of times with this with this NBA, and because you, you experienced it, you know, I'll never forget. I, I watched a pre-draft workout, and I'll never forget this on ESPN. It was Kyle Singler, and they put that his weakness was his age, and I'll never forget mm. that because it it was just like what like that had nothing to do with basketball. Yeah. So you being a three year guy, how do you feel like your game? helped you know, i mean developed you know in the course of three years and do you feel like that you playing three years kind of hurt you with a lot of teams you would have went first off of the potential work yeah i mean yeah especially now it's changed a lot they really want guys super young but even when i came out like the the, the big name guy was uh cj cj mccullum and he he stayed four years i know he had i think broke his foot one year but the year i thought he was gonna leave uh he had that big tournament run, that big game against Duke. And I, and they were even saying he was like first round, he could have left, but he came back. Um, we were in the same draft class. He was a year older than me. I think when you dominate and you're that good, it doesn't matter. I think Doug McDermott might've stayed four years too. And I remember Doug hit me up. He was like, should I leave or come back? I, I think I said, yeah, leave. And, but he, he came back, but he was chasing greatness. You want to be one of the all time best college players. Like their situation's a little different. Um, Mine, I, I, I felt like I, it was, I had to go, you know, that window was closing for me. My sophomore year, I wanted to leave. I, I won the, our conference tournament. Um, I think I averaged like 24 in the, in the, in the conference tournament. Then we played Kansas. I my eyes got open when we played Kansas. I'm thinking like, all right, cool. I just, I just came off this great tournament run. I had won the MVP. CJ just did this to Duke. I think there were 15 C, Duke was two. We were 15 C, we were playing Kansas. I'm like, all right, I'm about to do the same, same, same thing CJ did. And I was fourth at 15 that game. And I hadn't seen that length and that size on a team in a long time. You know, that year at Kansas lost to Kentucky in the final, in the championship game. So that kind of, for me, was like, oh no, I gotta get, I gotta get better. Like I, I, I'm, maybe I ain't as good as I think I am and I need to come back. And I think I, I looked at like some stuff and we did some research and I was like, late second round pick. And I was like, nah, you know, it, but it, it wasn't even a thought for me to leave after that game. I was like, bro, I'm, 
I got to come back. Going into my junior year, like I knew, I knew what it was and I knew I was going to get drafted for sure. All right. So you, you know, you're transitioning, you know, you finished your junior year. You know, a lot of guys are going through this right now. You know, the draft is in July 27th. How was your pre-draft experience? How was that Boston Celtics workout? How was the Miami Heat workout? If you, if you ended up doing those, man, uh, what was your toughest workout during the draft? Luckily, I didn't have to do the, uh, I didn't have to do the uh, Miami Heat one, but I heard Pat Riley. I heard it is crazy. <laughs> the Boston, the Boston yeah. Celtics is tough because it's this three minute run. If I don't know if you heard about the three minute run, yeah, that's why I asked you. Yeah, boy, they hit you with that three minute run. That one, and I think Phoenix tried to do it that year. Like Boston and Phoenix both did it that year. What's the three minute run? It's uh, so you gotta. It sounds easy, but it ain't like like you just gotta you gotta like run sprints for three minutes, and they looking and they charting it. And like, you know, you competing, you trying to get drafted. So you trying to go like, max, max. Yeah, out. you trying to you trying to beat the next guy. You know what I'm saying? I think like Peyton Siva had like all time record. You know what I'm saying? Peyton just came off a national championship, everything. So everybody's trying to, you know, Peyton had energy for days. So we all trying to catch Peyton's, you know, uh NBA draft, three minute drill record, uh, which none of us ever got. But like you you like ready to tap out. You're in great shape and everything, but running for three minutes baseline to baseline is tough and you gotta work out. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, wait, hold on, hold on, time but, out. This is before you, the workout or is this my after? Bad, my bad. The workout is the the workout is after, but you going hard, you know what I'm saying? 45 to an hour, trying to prove to these coaches and GMs why they should draft you. And then at the end, you gotta run. You gotta run these sprints and you can't jog. Like it's a full-on sprint. Yeah. But my toughest workout would have been in Denver. Uh it was a coach. I want to say his name, John Welch. You might know him. He was probably, he was with the Clippers for a while. Yep. I know John, but, uh, man, John gets it in. And, and, and that time it's crazy. The Denver staff is the ones who drafted me to Sacramento. They actually left that summer, but they were interested in me at the time. And I don't know why, but they brought in some, they brought in some dogs, dogs, like they brought some dogs in, like some guys that I hadn't even heard of, knew about, never seen play strong big guards like like some goons you know what i'm saying like i think they wanted to see if i was tough enough type of thing what you mean goons like people from other teams or overseas guys like you're playing against like some randoms nah bro i can't remember the names of the guy i remember one guard in the workout was mark Lyons, and he was at uh oh i know mark he played yeah, at you know, uh he played at arizona i thought right went to, yeah yeah and he was at xavier in arizona yeah like, he's nice he's a bucket he's like that so but I'm saying, I'm not, he's a dog for sure. Hooping wise. You feel me? Yeah. He, he going to talk, he going to talk his talk. He going to back it up and he's going to go at you. You talking about like dudes that are hungry, OD, like but, trying to get they spot and, off of you. But it was some other cats in there that was like, it's like, I swear they brought them in to straight up foul. Like to see, like, is he tough? Like, who is he really up? Like, what is he made of? And I thug that workout. I had a really good workout. And, and then the altitude in Denver, Denver and Utah, the altitude is crazy. Um, but that was my toughest. Then I, the first time I worked with Phil Handy, he was in Cleveland, and he put us through some work. Hold on, dog. Hold on, yeah, hold he, on. I see you didn't, you, you know, Phil, my guy, I got to be your own goat on right now. So I see need, that. I, like, I, I need, I need the Phil Handy story. So he did your yeah, pre-draft. How was that? He, he, he did a, he did the Cavs workout. Um, it was tough because I had like thirteen workouts, and I think. Hit theirs was like towards the end. I had just finished my 10th one and then I just flew in from somewhere. I just got there the night before and uh, I walk in the gym and I, I didn't know who Phil was at the time. I didn't really, you know, I'm, I'm coming out of college. Yeah, I don't really know all this. I don't know the league stuff like that. And I remember he had on like the Cavs, you know, stuff. And then he had the tights on. He had the long tights. On. I'm like, man, who's this coach who got the, uh, who got the tights on? Like, you know, like he must be official. And then just the this a confidence the way he carried himself about the drills and stuff. I was like, oh, okay, he knows his stuff. But he had us he he had us working. He had us working like, you know, with the agents. You work out with your agency, and then they put on a workout for teams and stuff. Like, yeah. kind of try to hide you a little bit, hide your flaws. My feel was he wasn't gonna let you hide nothing. Like, if you can't shoot, he, you gonna get exposed. If you ain't have no bounce, you gonna get exposed. If you can't handle that ball you're going to get exposed because, you know, we, he was younger. He's, he's an older cat and he, his handle was nicer than a lot of us. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. 
he was, you know, it was a lot of full court stuff. Then we competed. I think we played threes, ones. Like, he wanted to see who was really like that. So his was tough, too. And those were probably the toughest. But I think I had 13 of them. And I was all over the place, bro. Can you elaborate? Because a lot of people don't know. I know this personally. You know, I'm not going to get into detail about what players are doing this. But what the travel is. Because when in those 13 workouts, it's only in a couple of days when you're doing it. It's not like you're just doing this in a course of two months. Like you right. literally have a month really to do all those 13 workouts and it's spot to spot. I wasn't free. Yeah. I mean, it's changed so much now. I remember for me, it's like, uh, I moved out to LA in like April. Right. And so like April to May, we were training for a month, you know, lifting weights in the gym, doing the basketball. And then in May we would go to the combine for a week. Then after the combine, they had like, um, you know, the, the draft lottery and all that. And then you, you see the teams, you see where the draft picks are. Then your agent, you know, they get together and they start finding teams that, you know, where you could possibly get drafted. The teams start calling for the workouts. Then it gets real tricky. Your agent wants you to be matched up against another guy at your position so you can show you're better than him. Or, you know, a guy who's supposed to be a top pick might be running from the workout. He, want, he wants to dodge it. He don't want to, he don't want to have to play against, you know, someone who can move up on him on the draft board. So, you might be scheduled to go work out, you know, on on it's Monday. You might be scheduled to go work out on Wednesday and you're ready to go fly on Tuesday. But that, that workout gets changed, you know, so like your schedule changes a lot. And then like you literally have like maybe three weeks, maybe a one month to try to work out for 30 teams in the NBA, you know, or the teams that are picking you for the top guys, you know, the lottery guys, they might go three, four or five teams or whatever. But everybody else, like, you grinding. Like, you you working out for, you know, damn near everybody if you can or who's really interested. So, I mean, I worked out for almost half of the teams. So, I mean, I was on a plane to two. I mean, I was going to different city, different city two, three times a week. I think I did 13 workouts in, like, 25 days, 24 days, something like that. Maybe even less than that. Because you like literally lose a day when you travel too. Yeah, don't East, East that. Coast, West Coast. They try to keep yeah. you on that one side of the country, but it might switch. All right. So we go to the day you get drafted. You know, you spoke about, um, you know, George Carl. I think that was the year that he ended up getting let go after like going first in conference. I'm trying to remember what. Yeah, he was um, coach of the year. Yeah, he was coach of the year and then he got let go. So if you had a great workout in Denver, how did that situation go? Oh. <laughs> With him being let go, was that before you got drafted? Yeah, so uh, so with that whole situation, um, I went to Denver. They had like a late first round pick. It might have been like 28, 29, something like that. And my projected like draft stuff was 25 to 35. So I was like, all right, cool. It could be something legit. Uh, so I go to Denver. I had a great workout. Everything's cool. They had come, they had like, our, our, we had a pro day in LA. They had came to watch me at the pro day. They liked me then. And then, then they wanted me to work out. I went and worked out and George Carl's there. Everybody was there. He had just won the coach of the year, literally a couple of days before. And uh, they had hit my people up like, hey, like, you know, like we're really considering drafting him. Like maybe we should stop having him work out for some of the other teams. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like I'm about to go to Denver. You know what I'm saying? They had uh, Ty Lawson at the time. Um, Denver with Kenneth Fareed, like they were popping, you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, cool. I, I, I like that. Um, and then <laughs> I swear to God, bro, two days later, I'm at the airport, like going back to, I was either going back to LA or I was, I was leaving another workout or something. How close Not, was the draft though at that time when you're leaving? The draft was maybe like, man, bro, maybe 10 days max, maybe less, maybe 10 days away. So like we we're talking about like well, a week and some change, you know what I'm saying? Before the draft day where I'm sitting there eating, I was eating a little breakfast burrito at the airport and on all over ESPN, the Denver Nuggets fire or part ways fire coach, George Carl, hall of fame coach, coach of the year. Boom, boom, boom. I'm like what? And then the GM, everybody, that whole organization like split apart. So I'm like, hold on, bro. Like I thought I was just about to go there. So I was like, damn, like I was supposed to be maybe have a chance to go late first round. That was really going to be my only opportunity to that team. And then all that just happened. And I was like, oh, man, you know what I mean? So then 
then I had to like, I was like about to be done. And I think I had to schedule like four or five more workouts in all within like a week of the draft. So you talking about, I had like four or five workouts all the week in seven days. And that was that stretch that I had all the, I had to do all that right before the draft. And one of them was Boston that came at the last, like two days before the draft. I'll never forget. And uh, yeah, I didn't, I went to SAC and I didn't even work out for SAC. So I was like, man, I worked out for all these teams and the team that drafted me, then he had me come work out, but they saw me in Denver. So that's how that kind of worked out when I went to SAC. Hey. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, you know, with that being said, after you, you know, getting drafted and all that, um, how do you feel now towards kids staying in school? You see, especially with this new generation, you see a lot of kids are going into one or done no matter what, you know, like they're like the younger, the better. That's, and it, and it's pretty much out there. You know? The younger, right. the, the younger you are as a player, the more you can use the potential word, the more you can, you know, kind of get by if there is some flaws, cause you're still young. So a lot right. of people don't stay in there three years and four years. And when they do, it seems like they get punished. You know? Oh, for sure. So how do you feel, you know, and in talking to these kids, how would you feel about them telling them to stay in school? What do you feel like are the perks and cons? Um, I think now it's the way that's going now, it's changed so much. Um, they do want you as young as possible. Um, there's so many different avenues now to get to the NBA. I mean, me being overseas, I remember seeing LaMelo come over there when he was super young. Um, and then you see a lot of these guys go over, like some guys it works when they go overseas and then they try to, you know, come back to the NBA. Some guys, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, you have one, you gotta be really special to like go pro out of high school and be able to go hoop and play well enough where you're going to get drafted, where you're going to get to play. Um, I, I think, I think it does hurt guys now that's, that stay in school for a while, but you know, me coming up, like I said, I had CJ, we had uh, Doug McDermott. And those guys say four years and, and and look at them now. They're having long careers and great careers. Um, but I think it's 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 a mess now. You got all these high school kids now leaving, not even going to school anymore. There's so much more money involved now. It's totally, it's totally different. I I, I do I do like the kids who are league and got a chance, like for sure. Go get some bread and do that. And but just know that that path ain't gonna be that sweet and it might not be that easy. I look at schools like Virginia, Villanova, some of these schools that, uh, you know, guys have been there for more. Gonzaga, they've been there, you know, longer. They have success, they win, and they still get drafted. So it is, it, it does work. But I think the guys who stay longer, you, you have to be really, really good or you have to win. You know what I mean? And, like, when you, when you win, it's, you know, I think it's a little easier for them to get to NBA. But they, they do – they definitely don't like guys who stay, you know, three, four, but some still can make it, I think. All right. Last question. Big time question. Just recently, you know, in the start of July, NCAA made a big announcement you know, about, you know, engine likeness, make money off your likeness. Um, you, you know, going as a McDonald's All-American and, you know, choosing to go to Detroit Mercy, how much money do you feel like you could have received, you know, by you doing that and made, you know, off your likeness? Because people don't know this. And with schools, when you go and stay in your hometown, that is a big move for schools. People don't really factor that in. But say a L.A. kid stays in L.A., you being a Detroit kid, you stay in Detroit and go to school in Detroit. How do you feel like you could have monetized off you staying and going to, you know, a smaller school and being, you know, a hometown kid? Man, I would have took the hometown kid uh, slogan and ran with it. Man, what? Listen, bro, I was hometown, went to high school there, won a state championship, McDonald's. I'm staying home playing for Detroit. Man, listen, I would have had, I would have made sure I had got a uh, some kind of car, car dealership, a deal with the car dealership. Yeah. Try done a commercial or something. Yeah, like like what kind of dealership? Like a like a local Detroit uh, dealership. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I wasn't asking for nothing crazy. You know what yeah, I'm okay. saying? Okay. Would try to would have got a whip. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think I could have got some great opportunities, honestly, just from being being there. The high school I went to, I went to Detroit Country Day. It's like a prestigious high school. Uh, and then 
like as playing for my dad, we could have done something like father, son, because we were doing stuff, you know what I'm saying? We were yeah. doing stuff, not, not getting any revenue or anything, but we were doing stuff to kind of put the city on, put Detroit on the map, the whole, the whole deal. So it, it would have been easy to, you know, flip that into some bread. And, and like I said, being from there, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like there's some areas in Detroit where they got some money and they, they would spend it now. And we could have, you know, but I'm happy to see these kids, you know, getting paid and, and the whole thing. And man, well, I, I wish if I can go back, I, I yeah, I would have been solid. I would have been straight. Yeah, I mean, you're a very talented person and, you know, your dad is, you know, a college coach, you know, so what do you feel like is a way that kids could, you know, use their name, image and likeness you know, besides the car dealerships? What are different ways uh, and things that kids aren't probably even thinking about that they can probably you know, monetize off of? Well, the, the first thing I would do is uh, all these kids now, they got such big social media following. Right. All these influencers, they get they get paid all this money to to post. Right. They get yeah. paid all this money to post on their page. I like to eat boy, back in Colorado I like to eat. So me, I would have definitely would have got cool with all the little restaurants. And if, if I'm one of these kids, I'm, I'm posting something to do with the restaurant or whatever, or we can get some type of free meal or I get a certain amount of meals a week or something. You know what I mean? And not just one restaurant. Like I'm looking at multiple restaurants. That's why I don't got to I don't have to pay for food. Right. I'm trying to get that. Uh, I mean, that that's that's where I, my head would be at. I think I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm not I, I'm not hearing that. You know what I'm hearing? Yeah. I'm getting a big bag. That's what I'm hearing. I'm not yeah, hearing that. I'm not no hearing way. the meals. And you speaking nah. real though right now, because I'm not I never hear the meals. So the yeah. fact that you said that shows what type of mindset you are. And you're different because that's all I've been hearing is people talking about how much cash they're going to get. But I didn't even yeah. think about the meal situation, getting free meals and what that can do. For a college kid, because I was eating a lot of hot and ready's, bro. I was a D2. I wasn't like you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? I was at Little Caesars with it. I, I would have loved to get a free $5. meal somewhere else. I was at Little Caesars too. Little Caesars <laughs> from Detroit, bro. It's hot and ready, five dollars. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? So it look, it's the food. I, I, I'm hearing it too. Everyone's trying to get the bag. This is that. I don't I don't think it's gonna work like that. Mm. I don't I don't you know, maybe the, mm. the quarter the quarterbacks, the top guys, whatever. You know, the, the big time schools. Yeah. I, I would think the, the two things I would try to do is the, some type of deal with the car dealership. If you're like in a, if I, if I went to Kansas or Kentucky or one of these schools like that, where the whole city, they just, that's all that's, that's what it is. Like those car dealerships, they do deals with the coaching staff, you know, football, basketball, they get cars, you know? So I would, you know, try to do something like that, do a commercial, whatever. And then if I had, um, like these kids, these social media, if I had all these followers, I'm definitely going to these restaurants and pitching them the idea like, hey, you know what I mean? Like maybe it's a local spot on campus or something like, hey, like Taco Tuesday, I got a spot. Wednesday, chicken tenders and fries, I got a spot. They got an Italian restaurant on Monday. Like I got my spots for all five, you know, all days of the week. I'm going here. I'm posting here. I post once a month, whatever, post something on the story. And I get, you know, either a crazy discount or some meal for free. That's, that's, that saves you some bread because that food adds up. Yeah. So do you feel besides social media, like, 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 so let's just set out like all the big time names. Right. And, you know, I'm a kid that, you know, kind of is a kid that's starting to develop. You know, I start, my name starts getting bigger over years. How do you feel like I can monetize off of my name? You know, do you? You feel like there's anything that I can do, if, even though I'm not the number one guy, but potentially could be the number one guy? What are some, some things that I can do to possibly get there? I mean, I know your pops got some ties, you know, with coaching, so you might have a different perspective, in my opinion. You talking about like a, a, another player on the team is not like a big Yeah, big like recruit. say like yeah. one of your teammates, right? You're the, you're the man of the team, right? You're junior year. And uh, right. there's, a, there's probably a kid that, you know, ended up becoming a man on your team once you left you know, but wasn't there yet. What is there a way he can prepare himself to, you know, start building and building himself up and start making some type of money off his likeness and stuff like that? Yeah, well, I think one of the main things is, I mean, obviously the kids got to stay ready for his opportunity. When it comes to take advantage and run with it. Yeah. That, that being said, me, if I'm that guy, I'm looking at, okay, what did my teammate do the year before? What were the opportunities that he had? How was he getting money? I'm, I'm writing it all down. I'm taking notes. And then I know, like, all right, cool. My time's coming. When my time comes and I'm hot, 
like when my name's hot, like I'm, I want everything that he had and more, you know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. going to try to maximize that too, because they're always looking for that next person to fill that spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Cause some people, a lot of people in this new generation, especially bro in, in life period, not even in the new generation. Cause it happened when we were younger too. Everybody tried to level up each other. Oh, yeah. you you trying to get JBL? Oh, I'm getting I'm getting beats. We not going yeah. JBL. <laughs> like, yeah. They should low key follow the same recipe for sure. Yeah, you gotta like. I mean, this happened in the NBA, but this yeah. is just a prime example. So when we were in Sacramento, Isaiah Thomas was the pizza guy. So pizza guy is like the the local pizza spot in Sac. He's in all the commercials. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, like I said, I like to eat. So. I'm like, damn, we want a pizza IT. We can hit IT. He can send a pizza to the crib. Like, he gets unlimited pizza. <laughs> I'm a rookie. I'm like, all right. You know what I'm saying? Like, IT, what's up, bro? You can send a pizza to the crib? Yeah, I got you. Boom. <laughs> Not only does he get the money from the commercial, he gets a free pizza. So, me and Ben, best friends. So, IT goes to the Suns, his, our second year. So, like, the day IT left to go to the Suns, you know, the first thing I hit Ben, hey, bro. We gotta make you the pizza guy. You know, he was a Ben was a lottery. He was like eight pick. You know what I'm saying? Like he's that guy. He's the next one up. And the next thing I know, a week later, Ben's like, "Hey, bro, I'm the pizza guy." I was like, "All right, bet." <laughs> Did this commercial, everything. We had free pizza. We had free pizzas anytime we wanted, man. Oh, but just little, little things like that. Oh, like, I, man, I, I, hey, that's a, hey. You know the show's title is called Hidden Gems. That's a hidden gem right there, bro. Real that's talk. Me. I'm watching because. You know, it's like, all right, cool. At some point in this person's career or college, whatever, like someone's going to be next up. And those those sponsors and those companies are always going to be looking for that next person to fill that role. Hey, hey, man, we got to end off on that note, bro. Real talk. Like if y'all listening right now, that's that's a pen and paper note. I'm going to be honest with you, because, you know, even me, I wasn't even thinking in that realm, you know, because everybody always seeing is money, 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 money. You're not seeing like the dude that got the pizza spot, you know, and that's what should be highlighted because that's what, you know, like Ray said, a lot of people ain't going to really make the money like that they think, you know, and no. we've seen a lot of people sign for big, big figures, but you know, that's not the opportunity for everyone else. There's other opportunities and you should utilize it that way. So yeah, man, that, that concludes our first episode of hidden gems. Um, next episode, we're going to have, Kyle Fogg, we have a whole bunch of guests that we're going to have coming on overseas NBA, you know, high school coaches, agents. Um, so, you know, make sure you tap in with us. You know, I'm Jordan Richard, you know, professional overseas player, um, co-founder and CEO of Swish Cultures Media Platform. Ray, you can sign us out. Hey, man, this is Hidden Gems, first one. Your boy Jordan, your boy Ray, we got a lot more for you, so stay tuned. Appreciate y'all, man.